0: welcome to the together for good podcast a podcast specifically designed to inspire challenge and uplift you during your daily walk of faith today's episode is a sermon that again i seem to keep falling behind on posting these this is pastor gary's sermon from july 18th it's based on readings from jeremiah chapter 23 and Mark chapter six. I'll just turn it over to Pastor Gary now. Uh, Hope that you find these sermons enlightening and useful. Maybe you heard it once, but it's nice to listen to it again. As always, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Thanks for sharing it with your friends and family members. We really hope that this can continue to be a way that people find um, to bolster their faith in between Sundays, some way for you to remain connected to your life of faith throughout the week. But, let's turn it over now to Pastor Gary and his sermon from July 18th.
1: So, this imagery of shepherding That's a long history for God's people, and it makes sense that as Jeremiah would come and talk to them, he would talk to them about shepherding. The Gospel writer Mark picks this up just a little bit as he talks about Jesus' compassion for them. But first to Jeremiah, who's writing to basically the kings of Israel or Judah, letting them know that that destruction is heading their way if they do not change their ways. And this is how he addresses them in a sense. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Now, of course, as we hear that, we might think, Oh, Jeremiah must have uh, really thought that the kings were bad shepherds but of course the kings had elevated themselves to a position where they were supposed to be caring for the people and so that shepherding imagery that is brought up would take the people back into their history where they would understand what it felt like to really be led well by somebody. We we could go clear back to Abraham, which in his nomadic days and as he set himself up was primarily a shepherd. We could then go to Moses who grew up as a prince of Egypt, but when he fled Egypt, took up the occupation of Shepherd. We could go to Jacob, who uh, early on also was a shepherd. And finally, when we get into that reign of people who reigned as kings, we would go to David, who started as a shepherd and then grew into a time. But but as Jeremiah is writing to them, he would want to conjure up that image of David, the king who understood what it truly meant to be a shepherd, who knew what it meant to gather the flock together. And now when Jeremiah is no longer seeing that, no longer seeing a king who's primarily looking out to, to gather the people and, and to bring them together as one, that's where Jeremiah sees that things are starting to unravel. And as Michelle noted, as she read in that beginning, he's prophesying before the exile in 587 BCE. But we know that that's coming because, unfortunately, the kings did not listen to Jeremiah's prophecy. But he did say, in the midst of that prophecy, in the midst of telling the kings how they should act, but already knowing that they might not heed his words There in verse 5, he said, The days are surely coming when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And when you're talking about raising up someone for David, it's not just David personally, but raising up for someone for the kingdom of David to once again experience what it feels like to have a true shepherd out there in the midst of the people. So Jeremiah already setting the stage that when you see that one come, When you see one come who truly has the attributes of a shepherd, now you'll know the prophecy of God is starting to take take hold that something is different about this leader than those who are in it for themselves, rather than seeing themselves as a servant of the people, and of all people. And so, when Mark starts his Gospel, and we get into this passage after, after some of Jesus' teaching and after the apostles have been sent out and now come back. They get into a boat and try to get off by themselves. So they have at least a little chance to rest. And it makes me think about the fact that they started across the lake in this boat, but before they could get to the other side, somehow people ran all around the lake and even gathered more people to meet them there. And really what it takes me back to in one little thing is I go back to Jesus calling his disciples. He had called some fishermen, but maybe they didn't used to go very far off of shore. And a tax collector and some others, clearly Jesus should have chosen a couple of mariners to be able to be with him so that a boat could get across the lake before people could run around and meet them. But that didn't happen. And so as the people run around and Jesus gets ashore, thinking that what he's tried to do is to to really uh, narrow his flock just to those apostles. He wanted to spend some time with them, give them time to, to rest, even a chance just to eat in leisure. But it wasn't to be, because we hear this from the middle of verse 34. Jesus saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because... They were like sheep without a shepherd. And all of a sudden, people would hear that. And they would take themselves back to the Old Testament. They would take themselves back to to Abraham, to Jacob, to to Moses, to David. They would understand what all of that means. They would take themselves back to a, a kingdom that God wanted to see restored And Mark would be giving this little indication that here is a person who is acting like a shepherd and realizing that all of the people around are his sheep and that that compassion gets extended to them. And so it's no accident that as pastors go through seminary, we often talk about pastor as shepherd. We know that many bishops even carry kind of the, the, the crook, the shepherd's crook, that, that is a symbol of the office that they use just as a way of reminding us that we are here of servants of the people. And yet, one of those primary roles is as of shepherd. In some ways, I look at what Jesus had in his day, and I think, you know, in... Outside of the fact that he had to do all the things that the Son of God had to do, in some ways, he actually had it easier because all of the people around him felt like sheep. I mean, they were just ready to put themselves out and let Jesus lead them. Even when we hear that they went out and gathered all the sick and they just laid them in the marketplace, kind of a horrid thought in the midst of all of the all of the COVID stuff that we deal with, but in Jesus' day, how common to have the people there, and just as we heard a couple weeks ago about the woman who reached out and just wanted to touch the fringe of his cloak, well, that's what people in the marketplace are doing, just reach out and, and get a little touch of his garment. And Jesus goes through as the shepherd, as the one who's gathering, caring for the flock that is in front of him. And I know that in a congregations of of a certain size, sometimes they're actually called Shepherd congregations, which means like one pastor can serve as a shepherd for a given number of people, and it just works that way. Bethany is not that congregation, Bethany is not a a, a shepherd congregation. If you think back, even 50 or 60 years ago, oftentimes a pastor would come into a smaller congregation and in many cases be the most educated person in town. You know, the one who had the degrees, the one who could simply be seen as the authority and have people gather around him. Uh, I think I can speak for Pastor Nate, and I know I can speak for myself. In no way do I believe myself to be the most educated person at Bethany Lutheran Church or the wisest person at Bethany Lutheran Church because as I look out here, I feel like I should just sit down and invite like 20 of you to come up and just finish all of this for me because the, the challenge that I face even as pastor in the midst of all of you is to say, How can I be a shepherd when I look out and see so many shepherds, so many people who care for so many already? And the work and the ministry that you carry out almost pales in comparison to what I could possibly bring to this setting. And yet, this is the relationship that we have together and the relationship that you have with Pastor Nate as well. We are somehow called to be a shepherd in the midst of such wonderful shepherds in and of yourselves. And I will tell you that when I was looking to come to Bethany Lutheran Church, when I was in those conversations with the call committee, and I mentioned to some people that the church was situated in Cherry Hills Village, and some people looked up Cherry Hills Village, and people who knew me said, Gary, this doesn't sound like you. How can you go into the midst of such a, what they labeled, rich congregation as they looked up Cherry Hills Village? And truth be told, we should know that we, by the world standards, are a very wealthy congregation. And what I realized in the midst of that was I would no longer come into a place as being The shepherd that everybody looked to, but instead I would be gathering a host of shepherds together to be a part of a congregation. But just as Jesus tried to get his disciples away and people ran around to be with him, just as he went into a marketplace, the reality of all of that is that the gospel is the same the context in which we see it lived out might be very different. In fact, one of the things that we would have to realize here in Cherry Hill's village is if that were Jesus to return this morning and drop down somewhere in Denver, Jesus would likely not have chosen Cherry Hill's village to begin or to restart his ministry. In fact, it might have been down on Colfax Avenue or in another neighborhood, or quite frankly, people at that time just needed him more. And so that would say to us, what's our part in all of that? Our part in all of that is to realize that gospel still lives in, in neighborhoods that don't have as large of homes, As they do here in Cherry Hills Village, but the gospel message remains the same and people's desire for the gospel remains the same. We realize that people who are oppressed need the gospel and that people who have a lot of possessions need the gospel. That people who are lonely need the gospel, and that people who have friends all around them need the gospel, because no matter where we are, we're called to insert ourselves into this great story. And sometimes we have the resources to be able to bring healing. We've certainly seen that. If you don't know about any of that, talk to Marie Friedemann, who's right here as part of our outreach team. She will be happy to tell you about the the healing that Bethany Lutheran Church has brought to so many during this past year. And we also realize that in the midst of our community, we haven't escaped heartache We haven't escaped the longings of our heart, and we haven't escaped the need to know that Jesus is there for us. And so when people said, how is it that you're going to a place like Bethany Lutheran Church? I said, you know what? The gospel needs to be shared everywhere. And sometimes our sharing the gospel looks more like generosity and sometimes Our sharing the gospel looks more like vulnerability for ourselves because we realize our heartache is just as strong as another person's. Because the cross that looms large in the front of our sanctuary is the same cross uh, that the people of, of House of Hope carry down Colfax Avenue to draw people into that message. The message is that Jesus will continue to be our shepherd, that Jesus will continue to serve our deepest desires, and that the more we turn ourselves over to what it is that that Jesus wants to see in our life, the more we understand our place in this great story. Jesus' place, in some ways, if if we boil it down, became quite simple. Jesus would be the shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep. That the cross becomes a part of salvation for all of us together. And no matter our our physical context, that message does not change. And so, as pastor, One of the things I ask myself a lot is, what does my flock need? You don't need me to be the most educated one. I realize that, you far surpassed me in that category, so many of you. You don't need to be the one who provides resources for so many of you because you have those resources already. Maybe all that you truly need is a reminder That the gospel of Jesus Christ lives in this place. That the words of salvation are true for us. And maybe, at times, we have a responsibility to that same gospel. That's what I know about the people of Bethany Lutheran Church, is you live that out. You share it with each other. You encourage it among yourselves and you bring encouragement to a world in need because of who you are. You, you are shepherds and I am blessed to be just one more in your midst as together we proclaim the gospel. Amen.